Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with comic Emily Via. Emily Via, how the hell are you? Oh my God, I'm so good, Brian. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for coming on and let people know where they can find you. Do, do comedy online. I know I follow you on Instagram. You're Via Vacious because that's yes. a play on your last name, which is pronounced Via. It's not pronounced Via. Yeah, it's uh, my like high school AP World History teacher was like, oh, like Via con Dios. And so that's another thing wow. I'll tell people to remember. Oh, good. But yeah, Via Vacious, and but you also have the website, which is emilyvia.com. And let us know where you've been kind of applying your stand-up comedy trade during the quarantine. Have you been doing Zoom shows, or are you able to kind of get out there and do park and rooftop shows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't been doing a ton of shows lately. Uh, really confusing why. Um, no, uh, I honestly have just been taking the pandemic as a chance to just really work on writing as much as possible and working on new stuff. Um, I, you know, there've been some zoom shows that I've watched and it's really cool to see other people do them. I just, for me right now, um, Maybe it's because I live with my mom and I don't let her listen to my stand-up. It's it's kind of hard <laughs> to find privacy. I'm nervous about her hearing yes. my set. I would say that's my number one concern. So, and is is your set kind of risque or is it talking about your mom? Uh, my, I don't talk about my mom a ton, but I would say it involves a lot more of my dating life, and that is definitely not something I want my mom hearing. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about dating a little bit today, but there's some other topics. And I think, well, well, what I wanted to know was how you kind of went from being a, I don't know, musical comedy theater person into stand up. Like, how did you start wanting to make that transition? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, you know, when I first got to New York, I think a big thing is immediately a lot of acting teachers will say, okay, like take an improv class, you know, go to UCB. And so I was there and I was loving improv and doing more sketch stuff. And then when I started doing more character sketch and writing my own material, I was realizing that that was something I was a lot more interested in. Uh, I think I was super naive. Like when I first started seeing big shows like Ask Cat, I was like, oh yeah, like that will be me in a year. And that is so not the case. <laughs> like it's not, I mean, how, those yeah, comics, how, how many, how many years does, yeah. How many years does it, does it take to get on Ask Cat? I mean, I could be wrong, but I think like those comics have put it at least like maybe five to 10 years doing stuff like, <laughs> like they are seasoned veterans. And then, you yeah. know, like my naive self is like coming to New York and I'm like, oh yeah, I will be in ASCAD in a year. Like that's not realistic. <laughs> like you have to, you're either famous and you're on as the monologist or you have like, you're literally Shannon O'Neill and you run UCB, you know? So uh -huh. I think it was just, you know, in reevaluating my journey with improv, I was like, okay, so I like writing my own stuff more. And then I'd always thought about stand up, but to be honest, I actually dated a stand up many years ago and he would bring me to shows and open mics with him. And I remember, I think just for him and like, he's had a really cool career. So it's been great to see like where it's gone. But at the time, I think I was just seeing, I don't know, just him at these shows and like, three people in the audience and he was just like yes. so miserable. And I was like, I don't know if standup is for me. And then I think just like a lot of shit happened in my life that I wanted to talk about where I was like, Oh yeah, I think 
stand-up is something I want to try. And then I actually was in Chicago for a summer doing stuff with Second City. And that's when I really started doing stand-up as opposed to just doing like character sketch and character shows. And, you know, like I had a mentor out there and he was like, you're a stand-up. Like, I don't know why you keep doing improv. Like, you're hilarious. Uh-huh. Like, you need to keep doing this. And so, Good. you know, he kind of pushed me in that direction. But it's funny because it's like, like you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're a writer and performer, performer at once and you have something to say. So it's cool that somebody early on kind of saw that in you and kind of guided you in that direction. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And I think it was super helpful because like right after when I was in Chicago, I was doing regional theater. And so it's hard to do stand up when you're doing eight shows a week and you're not getting out of shows until sometimes like 10, 30, 11. And like where I was, I was in Ohio. And so like their comedy scene is like you know, they're done at 9 p.m. because it's the Midwest, like they're tired. Um, (laughs) So I think when I, you know, was trying to do stuff out there, it wasn't really until I came back to New York after being on contract. That's when I kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, these days I'm super grateful for my improv and sketch training. And when I see really good improv, I always love it. Like I was at a festival in the fall that was put on by like an improv theater in South Carolina. And I got to see just solid improv. And I was like, wow, this is so, you know, it's very different from seeing like a 301 class show, you know, when you're seeing improv, that's actually good, but yeah. you know, grateful for that training for sure. Cause it definitely hasn't influenced a lot of my standup. Oh, good. Well, we're going to talk about kind of your act at the end and maybe tra- the tragedy of, 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 uh, dating. I really want to hear your take on that, but real quick, you, you know, in, in soliciting the, the guests suggested topics, there's a couple that I zeroed in on. And one that I love is that you actually enjoy or, or find hilarious the, the being a third wheel. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I, I would say that I'm a professional third wheel. Like it should be top of my like special skills section, honestly. And so kind of what, yeah, what's been your experience with it and why do you not just fucking hate it? And does it have anything to do with it being a middle child? Well, I think, well, it probably has everything to do with being a middle child. I think with being a third wheel, you know, I take it as a compliment. I think it means that like the couple I'm hanging out with, they, you know, feel confident that like I can entertain myself and I'm not going to be like needy or I don't know. I take it as a compliment that like I can hang out with them. Um, But I definitely, I don't know. I could identify it a lot as like the chill girl, the cool girl. And so in hanging, like a lot of my friends are very coupled up. And so it's just like, you know, natural for me to third wheel. But I'd say if anything, it's just you're gaining insight. And sometimes it's nice to be able to, you know, if then the couple, it gets tense. Like, you know, if all of a sudden the girl's like, Brian, we talked about this. (laughs) You know, like I can be super <laughs> grateful that like I'm not in the relationship, that I get to enjoy these yes. two people, but I don't actually have to date them. And I would say like from being a third wheel, you know, I've seen some super healthy, strong relationships that I'm like, oh, wow, I aspire to have that. I think that's great. And then, you know, I've seen, I've been around some couples where it's a lot of Brian, we talked about this and <laughs> that <laughs> that's kind of wild. But I think especially like being a middle child, you know, like, are you, do you have siblings? Where are you in the birth order? Yeah, yeah, I just, I just have one. She's older. Yeah. Okay. So you're, see, if you're a youngest child, I, yeah. I don't know. I think for middle children, like we're so used to having to like keep the peace and we're also so yeah. used to like, we're never the only child at home. Right. Like if, when my older sister went to college, I still had my younger sibling. And then when I went to college, like I never had to deal with being an only child. I feel like middle children in general, like we're not spoiled because we're not the youngest and we're also not the oldest. We don't have to like break all the barriers or set the precedent. 
in terms of like what time curfew is or what age do you get to, I don't know, have a boyfriend or, you know, get to own your own car. Like, you know, the oldest child has to set a lot of those standards. So I definitely am happy I didn't have to do any of that for sure. So like in the, you know, in the, in either situation, you're breaking certain tensions. So in the third wheel, wheel scenario, if you have a tense couple that you're hanging out with, you can either break the tension with a joke or you can just use it as a funny, funny story on stage. Oh, a- absolutely. And it's, <laughs> it's also just, it's fun. I, I think it's important too, especially when I have close friends that are in serious relationships. I like knowing their boyfriend, you know, I never want it to be, you know, like I was at a wedding recently and I thought to myself, I was like, wow, I, yeah, this is the first time I'm meeting, you know, my friend's now husband. So it's, it's, I think it's <laughs> nice. I mean, it's, well, that happens when you're an adult and you don't live in the same city. Yeah. But. Okay. Why, why do you like knowing like who your friend is talking about? Does it give you some context? Like, are you able to more appreciate things that they're venting in your direction? Well, that, but also I think, you know, you, you want to make sure your friends are being taken well care of. Like, I, I, I don't ever want any of my friends dating someone who's not worthy of them. You know, I want the best for my friends. And so in that situation, you'd be able to know that and tell them and warn them off. Oh, absolutely. Or just like to have but it. I lo- yeah, and I, I love the fact that you're kind of observing some of these things and they're, they're kind of teaching you, you know, maybe, you know, certain healthy relation, relationship techniques. And that kind of, kind of leads us to our next point, which is, or our next topic, which is the tragedy of modern dating. What can you... You know, what can you tell me about that? What are your thoughts on that? But also kind of how do they relate to some of the things you've been seeing as a third wheel? Yeah, I I have so many. I mean, where do we even begin? Um, <laughs> modern day dating is so tragic. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's funny. Like I have a friend, she is engaged and she was saying, you know, you have to remember grass is always greener. You know, like you were single, you get to have all these experiences but, you know, as someone who has had a lot of these experiences, I think, I don't, online dating, I think with modern day dating, I mean, it's just gotten to a place where, I mean, New York is already its own specific market. And I think, like, if you're a straight dude in New York, you've got it made because your ratios are so much better. I mean, you're going to have all these gorgeous, confident, successful, really driven like women who are smart and way above your league. And you, I just feel like any dude can just like play the field. Whereas I think for women to find male counterparts that are actually just not like Chad Thads and Brad's that like don't have, you know, a brain, it's a lot harder. But why, uh, why is that? Like why, why is the ratio so, so skewed? I would think there's a bunch of driven uh, men in the city who are not Chad's or Brad's or whatever. Maybe, but then again, like, but how? Like, I think that's that's what my girlfriends and I always say. We're just like, how does anyone find anyone these days? Because I think, I don't know, I, I guess I find a lot of the guys that I have, you know, been with, whether we're, like, casually talking or dating for a few months, guys don't really want to just have one girlfriend. They don't really want to be monogamous. I feel like guys just want to be able to have like six girls that they keep on rotation and that they're able to, (laughs) no, I'm so serious. Like I had dated a guy, I used to work at a bar and I dated this guy. He was so cute. And we were, you know, going out for a couple weeks and I thought things were going in like a positive direction and all of his buddies, they were at the bar one night without him and they basically outed him and they told me they were like, he's got six other girls that he's doing this with right now. 
Wow. Was that a big, was that the first time you were that shocked by something like that? Uh, I mean, I, what, what isn't shocking these days? I feel like, (laughs) I mean, at the time, yes, like I'm lifting my jaw up off the floor, but at the same time, I think those guys, I mean, they were doing me a favor because by them telling me that I was able to then let that guy go and move on as opposed to, I think a lot of, um, people can get caught up in the whole, like, okay, well, like he texted me that one time or, you know, it's been, uh, people overanalyze everything. You know, they think just because someone's watching their Instagram stories that someone's actually interested in them. And that's like, so not the case. (laughs) So this, first of all, this hot bartender in New York city, it's shocking that he would have a rotation, but this guy also, uh, he kept up the rotation by checking out Instagram stories. That is so funny. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I what a, but people what a good read into that so hard. I don't think you understand. Yeah. Like people all the time will be like, "Well, he watches my stories," and I'm like, "Well, I think if you really think about how fast people are scrolling through stories, it would really reevaluate and bring you some clarity as to yeah. <laughs> like what someone is so, after." And after the fact, you had to be like, "I can't believe that I was so fucking shocked by a hot New York City bartender. The fact that he would be dating somebody else." Oh, well, he wasn't a bartender. He was definitely, oh. like, a customer of mine. Oh, Which, okay. this goes back to, like, never date your customers. You know? Don't shit where you eat. It's never <laughs> so worked were, out well for me. You, you were the hot New York City bartender. Yeah, I was the hot bartender. He was just, like, a customer coming in. You, um, you should have you had the rotation and used the Instagram story as a, as a, a technique. <sighs> no, I mean, <laughs> if I ever have something called a brotation, that... Yeah. <laughs> That Fucking would be wild. Rotation. Yeah, rotation, so like rotation. You know, how has it changed over time? You know, you know, you say New York City dating, you know, scene might be a little unique. And I just former guest Daphne Genschler was just talking about how what she she spent what five years being single in New York City, and so that's her Vietnam, and so that was a little bit funny. But like, you know, <laughs> is it any di- any different from you know like where you came up in Virginia or whatever? Well, I mean. Like when I was in college and I went to school in Virginia, it was super hookup culture and dating apps were just beginning to kind of rise up. And so it just wasn't really a part of my undergrad experience. And then I've been in New York ever since, oh my God, I've been there since 2013. So like I have passed my Vietnam of dating in New York City. And um, I, I think, you know, I spent some time in Chicago and I was on apps there and I was finding that in Chicago, pretty much everyone was already partnered up. Like anyone, there weren't a lot of options on the apps I found. And then if I went out to bars, pretty much every guy was there with his girlfriend or his wife. And so it seemed like people were pretty settled. And then same thing when I was, I was doing regional theater in Cincinnati, Ohio of all places. And that app scene was pretty wild in the sense of just, wow. Uh, Cincinnati is like basically Kentucky. And so it was just like a lot of garbage, if you will. And but then, you get to New- <laughs> then you get to New York and you see a lot of cool guys and they're not all coupled up. But then you find out that they don't want to be monogamous. Yeah. Or like, let's take monogamy out of it then. Because I think like these days with people being open, you know you do your thing. I think it's just more guys don't really want a girlfriend. I feel like the amount of times that I've been told I'm not looking for anything right now, or you're great, but I don't want to be in something serious right now. I just, I feel like a lot of guys, they just don't want to actually be in a relationship, which if that is your, like, is that, if that's your story right now and that's your truth, then you own it, you know, like, who am I to (laughs) 
But I just think in general, I think it's hard to meet people that actually want to be in a relationship as opposed to people who just want to, you know, add to the rotation or. (sighs) What what you need is you need to be a third wheel in the romantic context. (laughs) You know, like if you're if you're fine being a third wheel, man, just fucking, you know, there's so much stuff on Tinder about wanting that third wheel. Uh, Oh, you mean like being someone's third? Yeah, being a, yeah, just yeah, couples trying to get that third. But are you talking about this stuff on stage? Like, are you talking about your dating life? It sounds like you are because you don't want your mom to hear it. But um, you know, can we hear you do the, the, those things in a Zoom show? And can we find that via Viavacious? Oh, you can definitely find it via Viavacious. Wow, gorgeous yes. with the play on words. Um, yeah, <laughs> honestly, like if you check my Instagram, all that stuff is posted there, and I post a lot of videos from prior shows and new content. Uh, I don't think a Zoom show is in my future. I mean, I'm super witchy, and a lot of my witches that I follow say that the pandemic, they think, like, January 6, 2021 is when I think it's Pluto is going to be in a better position. This is, like, witchy astrology (laughs) shit I'm throwing out at you. But (laughs) I think unless, like, we're really under lockdown for another year, maybe then I'll consider Zoom. But at this point, yeah, check that check that sweet, sweet Instagram and you'll be able to catch all that gorgeous content there. <laughs> Dude, I love it. You will, you will catch that witchy woman, Via Vacious, Emily Via. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Brian, thank you so much for having me.